Welcome to the Accelerator Podcast. I'm your host, Monty King, and we have a special show planned for today. Our guest today is Tiki Finlayson, co-founder of One in Three, an organization on a mission to save lives. Um, Tiki has a story that we can all identify with at some point or some level, and her story is about love, loss, grief, grace, and finding purpose in the pain. And today she uses the shattered pieces from her broken heart to heal others who have been impacted by driving under the influence. Tiki, welcome and thank you so much for coming on to share your story. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you, Monty, for having me. Awesome. I'm excited. So let's dive in. Um, I'd like for you, if you don't mind, rewind the clock for us to 2011 before one in three ever existed. Um, there was a moment in time that stood still for you. Would you mind taking us back there? Sure. Um, on July 31st, 2011, uh, I received a phone call that my son had been in a very serious uh, wreck and um, that it didn't look good. So um, fast forward a little bit. Uh, we find out that it was a drunk driver, that he was on his way home from work at 1.30 in the morning, and the drunk driver had gotten on Highway 153, going north in the southbound lane, crossing the Chickamauga Dam, and then hitting, having, hitting Kevin head on. And uh, he lived less than 31 hours, and... Um, from that moment, our life just turned upside down because of one choice to get behind the wheel intoxicated. So you so you get the call that no parent wants or no one wants. No one. What are, what are the next steps for you? Do, did you immediately go to the hospital? Did you go to the scene? What, what happened after that? Well, I was actually already at the hospital. Uh, my dad had been in a serious motorcycle wreck the Tuesday prior to that Sunday oh my goodness. and um, was in the ICU. His, his situation didn't look well, um, but he had started to improve on that Friday. And so I had been at the ICU waiting room for five days when I had gotten the call for Kevin. Mm -hmm. And so when I did get the call, I tried to find him in the hospital. Uh, he had been there since 2.30 in the morning, and I got the call at 8 o'clock. And so I'm running frantically trying to find him, finally uh, end up in the ER. He had already been taken to surgery. And um, that's where, you know, I get the long list of all the injuries and that, you know, it's just not looking promising. And um, it was just, uh, you know, added an added trauma on top of a trauma. And I had my dad in bed 12 and my son in bed four in the CICU. And it was just, uh, it was uh, definitely something that I never wish on anyone. I, I can, I can just see that there, that, that wound is still there and probably never will fully heal. Um, just from you revisiting that moment and, so let's go back then right the instance, you know, the, the few hours before 
what was Kevin doing and where was he going? Uh, well, that day he had been tubing with his new girlfriend on the lake uh, that Saturday. And um, he was so excited to get to go tubing. He had never been before. Uh, they took a lot of pictures of him that day. So I have one of those pictures framed in my living room of Kevin on that tube, just having fun and living life to the fullest because that's what Kevin did. And um, that reminds me to live life to the fullest, no matter what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, he went to work that afternoon at Buffalo Wild Wings and um, he loved his job, loved making people laugh and have fun. And anytime there was a birthday party at Buffalo, they'd ask Kevin to host if he was working because he's all about having fun. And he got to host one that night mm. and um, then left at 1.30 in the morning, headed home and three miles down the road, everything changed. Mm. So remind me again, how old was Kevin at that time? He was 25. 25, okay. So let's talk about the person behind the wheel of the other car, if you don't mind, the one that, that hit Kevin. Can you tell us about who that person is and, and what was in that moment in time in their life, what was it like for them, if you, if you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, she was a single mom, uh, had two young children. She had a great career at one of the local hospitals. And um, that night they had planned a housewarming party for one of her coworkers that had just purchased her new home. Um, they made all the plans of everything, you know, that they were going to do at the party. But the one thing they didn't plan was how everyone was going to get home safe because they were serving alcohol. Mm. And uh, so uh, the driver arrived at the party at seven o'clock that evening, was there, drank a lot, didn't eat very much. So, you know, the alcohol had a more intensified effect. Um, then her and a friend at 11 o'clock decided they wanted to drive across town to a local bar and continue to drink and have fun with their friends. Mm -hmm. So they drove across town. Um, Leticia, who was the drunk driver, she, the last thing she remembers is parking in a parking space at the front door of that establishment. They were there for a couple of hours, continued drinking. The, the establishment continued serving them. And uh, at about one o'clock, they left. Uh, her friend was still with her uh, as a passenger. Friends were following them to that friend's house. And that friend was so scared that they weren't going to make it. She had Letitia pull over and had one of the people following them, who was also intoxicated, to drive the rest of the way to her house. Once they arrived at her house, they got out of the Jeep that they were in and left the keys in the ignition with the Jeep running. Letitia climbed from the back seat to the front seat and was determined she was going home. And um, they let her leave. So were, was there anything else they found in her system besides alcohol or was it just purely alcohol that they found? Uh, well, she was on some medications 
that you're obviously not supposed to drink with that medication, but it was a low dose of that medication because she had taken it earlier that morning. So, um, do you know what the amount showed in her in her blood? What you know versus the legal limit? What what was that like? I do. Uh, her blood alcohol level was 0.235, which is three times the legal limit. Wow. Mm. So something uh, amazing happened through this process. You've got your father, your son in the, the, the you know, hospital, but you made a decision in your own heart to show grace and forgiveness mm -hmm. to the driver that caused you so much pain. Mm -hmm. So what I'd really like to know is from you personally, like how did you get to that point? What was the process that led up to that point? And then I'd also like to know when you made that decision, how did that impact the other people around you who were sharing in your grief with your son? Uh, well, I did choose to forgive. Um, and when I made the choice, uh, it surprised even me that I said it out loud. Um, my, me and my family were a family of faith and we were praying and I literally prayed out loud, God, I forgive her for what she's done to our family. I didn't even know her name. And when I said it, I opened my eyes. I was like, what do I do with this now? I, you know, I said it, now I got to do something with it. And because I didn't feel like forgiving. It wasn't, it wasn't a feeling that I had. It was a choice I knew I had to make because otherwise I would have stayed stuck in that moment in time and wouldn't be able to go forward to be part of the solution in the community. Mm. And so um, with that choice of forgiveness, um, every time I would feel those feelings rise up within me, I would say, no, I choose to forgive because the forgiveness wasn't for, for her. It was for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and about three months later, I was telling somebody cause I was telling everybody that would listen about the story in hopes to save other families from going through what we go through. And, um, I, I said the words, I chose to forgive her and I felt something a little different. And I realized my feelings were changing, that the forgiveness was working. Um, and um, so, um, you know, it was just a choice that I knew I had to make for me. You know, it, it, everybody else had to walk their own journey. Everybody else had to do their own thing. Um, you know, there were family members that were very angry with me because I chose to forgive because they, they were like, Kevin's in there fighting for his life, you know, and you're forgiving her. Um, and so, you know, there was tension with that, but I was like, you know what, I got to do me, you do you. And, you know, we'll, we'll take care of each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so, you know, um, and because of that choice, uh, eight months later, when the sentencing came around, um, we were given the opportunity to have a restorative justice meeting where we would go in the room with her 
and were able to tell her what the situation had done to our family. Is that and, like a victim impact statement, basically? Uh, kind of. Um, okay. You do the victim impact statement in court. This okay. was out of court. Okay. Got it. Um, it was in a private room. And then she was able to respond. Uh, she was very remorseful. Um, and uh, at that meeting, I was able to tell her face to face that I forgave her. Mm. And um, from there, uh, uh, you know, it's amazing what has developed from that because, you know, we we now communicate on a regular basis. And, um, you know, the forgiveness didn't excuse the consequences. She still had consequences. She was sentenced. She went to prison. Um, we communicated while she was in prison. And upon her release, she uh, came and she's part of one in three organization. And we speak together on how choices matter um, because there were choices on both sides. Um, amazing. Now, I do want to go back to your family members who struggled with your forgiveness for the situation. Mm -hmm. I got to believe that we've got people watching or listening that um, are saying the same thing, right? How in the world there is no way I'm not forgiving that person or if that happened to me, I'm not. So I would like for you to speak to that person and talk to them about, uh, you know, the, the one who's, who's, been impacted, and it may not be by driving under the influence, whatever it is in their life, right? Speak to the one who's holding on to unforgiveness, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. It just doesn't work. Um, and it's scientifically proven that when you have unforgiveness in your heart, that um, it can cause ulcers. It can cause um, all kinds of illnesses in your body um, that are going on. And it's 90% of illnesses in your body are connected to unforgiveness. And, you know, like I said, forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for you. And forgiveness isn't saying what the other person did was okay because what Letitia did to our family was absolutely not okay. And it never will be okay. But we chose with that forgiveness to go forward together and make a difference so other people wouldn't have to be in this situation. And that's not saying that everyone that you have a conflict with and you forgive them that you have to have a relationship. There are some instances that you absolutely don't need to have a relationship with that person. And I understand that. Um, but the forgiveness is for you. The forgiveness sets you free, not the other person. Uh, they get a benefit of you being set free, but it's for you. Yes. Awesome. Let's go to, you talk about that led you to be part of the solution and not to compound the problem. So tell me, let's, let's just talk about the purpose that you found in the pain, if you don't mind. Tell me about one in three. 
Uh, one in three came from, uh, or the name came from what was the statistic when we started in 2011, that one in three people are impacted by drunk driving, and I am one in three. And um, what we chose to do is to go um, to schools, rehab centers, uh, seminars, conferences, churches, prisons, and share real life stories of the behind the scenes of this choice to drink and drive. Everybody shares statistics, you know, other organizations do that. They do all the research and everything. We focus more on healing the person. We focus more on uh, educating people of how choices matter, no matter what the choices are, not just driving under the influence, but choices, period because the choices impact everyone around you. It doesn't just affect you. It affects your family, your friends, schoolmates, coworkers, and complete strangers. Uh, because before uh, July 31st, 2011, Tish and I had no idea the other one either even existed. But today we live a life sentence together. And um, my life sentence is never another day with Kevin. Never another happy moment. Uh, Tish's life sentence is knowing that she killed him. Can't imagine waking up every day knowing that I was responsible for that. And so we share how choices matter. And uh, with that, in hopes that people will think about their choices and how it impacts other people and choose to make good choices because everyone has a good future ahead of them. They just have to make good choices to get there. And the opposite is true. You make bad choices, you have a bad future waiting for you. And so that's our focus is to help facilitate awareness, healing and forgiveness for those that have been impacted. Well, it's interesting because, you know, it's it's a ripple effect and it can be positive mm -hmm. or negative and it depends Absolutely. on you. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so also I'm curious, um, in between the time of um, you know Kevin's uh, accident and uh, one in three being founded, like when was that? How, how long did that happen, or, or what was the distance between the two? Uh, not much. Um, in the hospital, we my oldest son he was like, we need to do something in the community. We need to we need to help you know change this, and. Um, so we actually started talking about it in the hospital and um, thinking in the beginning, Kevin would be a part of it um, physically. Uh, he is a part of it definitely for sure, just not physically. Um, and uh, uh, so we started talking about it um, after the funeral and, and all of that um, was over. Then we started, um, we got our website ready. We started a Facebook page and we did our very first event three months after Kevin died. Mm. And we've been going ever since. So where was the grace and forgiveness towards the driver in between one and three getting launched? Was that before or after? Uh, that was in the hospital as well. Okay. And, um, you know, and so I just had, I had to walk out my choice at that point. 
you know, even though I didn't feel like it, I had to walk it out. And so the more that I shared the story, the more we did events and talked to people and was able to help other people, the more healing that it brought to me continuing to walk in my choice. So that's, you know, where I wanted to go next. Tell me about the impact that um, one in three is, is making and the difference that they're making, right? Or that one in three is making. Okay. Um, we have, um, we have helped thousands of victims, survivors, and uh, even offenders um, to be able to bring that restoration and that change. Uh, we go out and we do Choices Matter events, um, like I said, at schools, rehab centers, basically anywhere that will invite us to come and share our story. Um, because uh, drunk driving is no respecter of person. Anyone can make the choice to drink and get behind the wheel. Anyone from any walk of life. And so um, the more people that hear our story, the more people that we can share the impact of, of the behind the scenes, what happens uh, when you make the choice to get behind the wheel intoxicated, uh, the more lives we're gonna save, the more families that we're gonna save from the heartache of this 100% preventable crime. Absolutely, so can you, um give our, our viewers or listeners uh, maybe a menu of services that one in three offers? Sure. Um, we offer free consultation to those that have been impacted. Uh, we offer support through the court process um, and and help in trying to, to find the normalcy in the new life after such tragedy. Mm. Um, we also work closely with the court systems when when everyone's um, in agreement to facilitate restorative justice uh, between um, the victims and, and offenders. Um, and, you know, we just, we spread awareness and in hopes that, you know, it'll, you know, it'll click with someone that, oh, I need to have a plan. If I'm gonna go out and have drinks, I need to have a plan. Um, there was uh, a group of people that used to go to Buffalo Wild Wings that would come in and they would ask for Kevin when he was working to be their server. And after Kevin was killed, they decided they were going to do the Kevin thing and they would draw straws to see who was going to be the designated driver that night. And it made that much of an impact on them that they were like, we, we're never going to drive drunk. We are going to make sure we have a designated driver. And um, that to me is music to my ears. You know, That's just to know that the impact was so much on someone that they were like, I'm not doing this again. I, I see the aftermath. I see what it's, you know, what it does to people. And I mean, it's a simple thing to have a plan. You know, if, if, if you don't have a ride, drink at home if you feel like you need to drink. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're not against people that drink. We're just saying don't get behind the wheel. You know, there's so many options. You can have a friend. You can call Uber. You can call Lyft. Um, there, there's all kind of options besides getting behind the wheel intoxicated. It's not worth it. 
So I think that's a, a, a great point to talk about your safe driving pledge. Can you let me know what that's all about? Sure. Um, the safe driving pledge is, you know, just really a commitment to yourself. We've, we have thousands upon thousands of people that have signed the pledge and it's just basically a commitment to yourself and the community that you'll do your part in keeping the roads safe. And, you know, that includes, uh, being distracted by, you know, eating behind the wheel or putting your makeup on or, uh, texting, uh, and of course, drinking and driving, um, you know, you just, I mean, you're, you're in, if you're in a regular car, you're in 2000 plus pounds killing machine. If you are not paying attention to the road. And so with the safe driving pledge, we're just, um, asking people to be responsible and, and, you know, keep the community safe by doing their part. So I signed up or I signed up for the safe driving pledge. Would you mind telling our listeners and viewers on how they can do the same? Sure. Uh, it's on our website. I am one in three.com one in three. Uh, I'm sorry, dot org. And um, there's a tab that says get involved and the safe driving pledge is right there. You go in, you fill it out, sign your name and you're good to go. What, what are other ways that um, we can get involved to help support the cause? Uh, the first and foremost way to get involved is to help your family and friends be responsible. Don't allow them to drink and drive. Uh, do whatever you have to, to keep them off the road. If you know they've had too much to drink, do your part. Keep them off the road whether it's taking their keys, whether it's driving them where they need to go, whether it's calling the police if they leave and say, hey, my friend just left here, they're intoxicated, this is the car, this is the license plate, I tried to stop them, but I couldn't. Um, that's the first and foremost. Uh, second, um, you can go to our Get Involved tab on our website and you can sign a volunteer form and volunteer with us and help us spread awareness. And then third, uh, you can donate because uh, we are not grant funded. We are um, privately funded by individuals and we solely function on that. And so uh, every dollar helps us reach a person. Awesome. So before we get to our closing, tell me about what happens every year on August the 1st. August the 1st uh, is the anniversary date of Kevin's death. And um, that first year, as it was coming around for the anniversary, I uh, was determined it was not going to be a down day. It was not going to be a sad day. I wanted to do something to celebrate Kevin, but also bring awareness. And so I thought, I'm just going to do a local event. Let's spread awareness, you know, set up somewhere. Uh, we ended up doing it at Buffalo Wild Wings. They were an amazing sponsor for us uh, for several years. Um, we used their parking lot and um, set everything up. We kept Kevin's vehicle. It's on a trailer and it screams really loudly. Um, and so we had that there and we had some other vendors and different people that came to support us. Um, and, you know, so I thought oh, it's just going to be local. And so I did an event on Facebook and started getting people from other states 
that was like, hey, how, how can we get involved? And so then we had people from other countries who also joined the event. It was like, hey, how can we get involved? And so we ended up having uh, 127 cities in 34 states that participated. And we had uh, 15 uh, other countries that participated as well. Yeah. And basically everyone did a balloon release at seven o'clock in the evening in their time zone. And so every hour around the clock for 24 hours, there yeah. was a balloon release. And um, it was basically just honoring those that had lost their lives and remembering those that had been injured or impacted in some way. And um, from there, one in three day was born and we do it every year. So can we find out more information on one in three day on your website? Absolutely. Under get involved. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, before we close, I've got a few more questions um, and, and there's no right or wrong answer. This isn't a test. Uh, this is just for us to have a little bit of fun. So um, let me start with the first one. What is the worst advice that you have ever heard or have been given? Um, well, the worst advice that I've been given, um, probably, and this, ha this has to do with grief, probably, um, heaven's in a better place, you know, so, you know, everything's good. And I'm like, Yes, I know Kevin's in a better place, but I'm here. I'm grieving. Let's let's talk about what can help me, you know, because, yeah, that gives me some peace. But, you know, I'm going to deal with my grief here. And um, that's one thing that I've learned through this journey is that everyone has to grieve in their own way. And uh, and in their own timing, because everyone that was connected to Kevin had a different relationship with Kevin. And so the way they're going to grieve is not the way I'm going to grieve. And the way I grieve is not the way they grieve. And, um, and so the best thing that our family did for us was allow each other to grieve in their own way and it be a safe place for each other to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so that, that had nothing to do with your question, but yeah. No, that, that was great. It actually prompted another question. And I'm just curious, I'm sure we have all been through this, but in your opinion, I mean, what do you say to someone who has lost someone and they're grieving? Like, how do you respond in a way that is soothing for their soul, not, and, you know, not meaning to be disrespecting by saying, oh, they're in a better place or whatever the case may be, but what is the appropriate response for that? Do you, you have any suggestions? For me, the appropriate response, um, you know, if I heard, I'm sorry for your loss once, I've heard it a million times. And, um, and I think people say that just because they don't know what else to say. Um, but for me, it was, how are you doing? And genuinely wanting to know um and then just listening because sometimes people that are grieving 
they don't need you to say anything. There are no words you can say that can help. They just want to be able to, to let it out in a safe place and have someone to listen. Um, that's really the number one thing that, that I needed and that helped me was just having people that would listen. And, you know, if I said something, you know, totally off the wall in my rant, you know, they weren't like, no, you don't, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't feel that way. You should be past that by now. They just let me talk uh, or just let me cry. You know, a lot of times yeah. I just needed somebody to be in the room while I cried just so I didn't feel alone. Um, so the best thing you can do for someone that's grieving is just be there for that person when they need you. you it, it's not really anything you have to say. Just be there. So for the first time ever in the Accelerator podcast history, you answered question number two before I could ask oh. you, I think, which was basically what is the best advice you've ever heard or been given. But you just gave us some absolute gold and definitely thankful for that. Um, okay, so the next one is if you could make a law that every single person on this earth had to abide by, what would it be? Be kind and loving. Hmm. I thought you were going to go somewhere else with that, but that's even better than what I thought. So that is amazing. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm, I'm going to split the next one into two separate questions because first I had it written one way, but in our conversation, I've got to do it a different way. Tell me who is Kevin? Mm. Oh, wow. That, that's a very loaded question because Kevin was larger than life. <laughs> um, as I said, Kevin was 25. Um, he was six foot five, towered over me. Um, and he didn't care who was around. He made sure everybody knew he loved his mama. Um, and uh, he was he was never married, never had children, so I'll never get to experience those things with him. Um, he absolutely loved life, lived it to the fullest, um, loved making people laugh. Everyone of Kevin's friends says that he was their best friend because when you talk to Kevin, you felt like you were the most important one in the world at that moment. It didn't matter if you were in a crowded room. Kevin made you feel important when he talked to you. And he was very attentive when, when he listened. Um, and uh, he was a huge Batman fan. So Batman for us means something totally different than everybody else. When we see a Batman symbol, um, it, for us, it's an I love you from Kevin. And we just, I love you too. <laughs> Um, oh, he loved awesome. video games. Uh, he was uh, supposed to start school that August to go to business school because he wanted to open a gaming cafe to have a safe place for kids to come and have fun because he loved kids. Um, uh, Kevin loved the Lord. Uh, he he was, you know, he was all there with that. And um, he was just an amazing person, just an all around great person. And, uh, you know, the world is missing a very big piece. Mm. 
Well, so part B, if you could follow up to that, because that was awesome. Who is Tiki? Um, Tiki is just a normal person um, trying to make a difference in the world in the best way that she can. Encouraging others to forgive and, um, and a walk in love. Is she different today than she was pre-2011? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I see life in a different light. Um, for, for quite a while after Kevin's death, um, it was a dark place, uh, trying to come out of that fog of the grief. Um, but uh, I stuck close to the Lord and he helped me to see things in a different way. And uh, so I see sunrises in a different light. I see sunsets in a different light. I hear birds sing in a different tone. Um, you know, I just, my grandkids, you know, when my grandkids are here, everything else shuts down. You know, I, I want to focus on them and I want to, I want to love them. And, and, um, you know, you, family's everything. Family's everything. And, uh, you never know when your last day is going to be with one of your loved ones and you need to make it count. Awesome. That was fantastic. All right. Last question. Who is the greatest professional wrestler of all time? <laughs> Don't have a clue. <laughs> I would say Hulk Hogan what? just because that's the only name to know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, then you have to give me some kind of impression. An impression of who? Yeah. Hulk Hogan. Oh, I don't even know. I have blonde hair like him. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. All right. Well, that, that's good enough. We'll, we'll let you off the hook with that one. So that, that works. Awesome. Uh, well, before we go, before we sign off, tell everyone, how can they find you? How can they find one and three? We've already mentioned the website. What platforms are you available on? Give us your link tree. How can we get in touch? Okay. Um, all of one and threes. Uh, social media is at I am one in three, uh, and all of mine are at, at Tiki, T-I-K-I, Finlayson, F-I-N-L-A-Y-F-O-N. Awesome. Tiki, I hope you come back and join us for a future episode. There's lots more I know that we could, uh, we could talk about and, and help share your story, but help people increase their awareness so they can make better choices so they can get better results at the end of the day. Thank you so much for your strength and your courage and also for having a true servant's heart uh, in the face of adversity. Um, we appreciate it and I can't wait to see you again soon. Thanks for having me. My pleasure.